With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to A Sound Heart Radio and the Blessed Hope Community Church broadcast for this evening. Uh, I'm always thankful that God uh, provides opportunities such as this uh, for me uh, to share his word with his people. And so uh, tonight I'm going to be uh, speaking from the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be taking a look at a clinical case study of the human condition. And uh, it is uh, the healing of a crippled woman by Jesus uh, during his public ministry. Now, the particular uh, verses that I'm going to use are, are taken from Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I want to thank you for this opportunity to speak with your people. We ask to be guided by the Spirit of God because he is the author of the Scriptures. And without the enlightening ministry of the Spirit, we cannot understand your word. So we pray that there are no unconfessed sins, Lord. And you have said in 1 John 1, 9, that if we sin or when we sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you, amen. You and I must remember that whenever uh, the believer sins, sin leaves a wound. And the wound left by sin is cleansed with the blood of Jesus. And so this is why he is our our high priest at this time. You read about the high priestly ministry of Jesus in the book of Hebrews and also uh, in Revelation chapter 1. So it is very important uh, for believers to understand uh, what Jesus is doing now. Now, uh, as far as the work of salvation, that is finished. Ketelestai. Jesus shouted this word which has been translated, it is finished from the cross because it meant that he had uh, provided uh, eternal life for those of us who were dead in trespasses and sins. Please read Ephesians chapter 2. So 
as far as uh, the work of salvation, it is finished. So this is why Jesus was exalted to set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, as far, far as his high priestly ministry is concerned, read Revelation chapter 1, where he, he is now in his high priestly garb. And so he is the one uh, who is uh, judging and ministering to the church. Paul's letter to the Ephesians deals with the church as the body of Christ. You and I have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians is very involved. It is very deep. It is very powerful. And when you consider that in the Greek New Testament, in the first chapter, there is one long sentence. Paul is so taken aback by uh, the depth of uh, the understanding that the Spirit has given to him with regard to salvation and to the finished work of Christ. He, is, he exalts in the Spirit. He is so moved by the profound nature of what God has accomplished for us. So therefore, uh, in the writings of Paul, his 13 uh, documents that he contributed to, to the New Testament, he uses the prepositional phrase in Christ upwards of 160 times. In Christ. It is the greatest, most, uh, it is the deepest, uh, and it provides us a deep understanding into Paul's understanding of Christ. Paul Christo, uh, Paul's theology is Christology, that I may know him, that I may know him ever deeper. And so the word that Paul uses means to gain a deeper, richer, experiential knowledge of the person of Jesus, that I may know him. Power, ecstasia, the dunamis uh, in the Greek, the dunamis of of his resurrection. We understand uh, that, and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that the, our salvation, that the resurrection, the standing up of Jesus out from among the dead is pivotal to our salvation. It is the cornerstone, as it were, of our salvation. The word salvation itself means to rescue uh, it, it pictures a person being dragged out of danger or away from danger. This is what Jesus accomplished for us. And so the word pictures are powerful and important for us to comprehend so that we can overcome uh, churchianity and the churchified understanding of the word of God that, that has been preached to us and given to us and rendered us passive in our faith in our understanding of Christ. The book of uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians has to do with Christ as the head of the church. He is the head of the body. And so these two letters are very important. All of Paul's letters are important to understand. But Ephesians is with the body of Christ. Colossians is with Christ as the head of the church. 
Now, Luke, there, well, there are four gospel documents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three gospels are called the synoptic gospels or seen together. Uh, and then we have the gospel of John, which is, is different in nature and scope. Uh, John just begins with the Logos. In beginning was the Word. And so John's gospel predates Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In beginning was the Word. So, again, very deep theology with, uh, with the Logos theology of John. He surpasses Philo of Alexandria, who also used the term Logos. Uh, John uses it differently and in a, in a more profound manner. Luke, on the other hand, is uh, the writer of the third gospel. He is also the writer of the book of Acts. He, by profession, is a physician. And having a physician's mind, he knows detail. And so... Uh, the documents, the per, uh, pericope, that, uh, the documents that he brought together uh, formed this, uh, this third gospel. The word gospel means uh, good news. And so uh, it is taken from, uh, the, uh, from the Romans. Uh, when Caesar would come to visit a town, it was held as good news. And so uh, the, the New Testament writers took over this term uh, and used it for, uh, the, to herald the coming uh, of the King of Kings, and that is Jesus Christ. So Luke is a physician historian, and uh, he wrote the third gospel, it is fitting that he uh, has a great deal of information about uh, the, uh, he and that are not, well, with regard to Mary and announcing the, the birth uh, of Jesus Christ. And Mary was chosen, or Miriam, was chosen by God to bear the Holy Seed the whole, uh, Mary was impregnated with that Holy Seed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dep uh, deposited within uh, the womb of Mary uh, the, what would become the, the God-man or de develop into the God-man. Uh, the normal human gestation period occurred within Mary. But the seed was not human. The seed was of the Holy Spirit, as announced to her. She said, be it unto me, uh, when the angel spoke with her, be it unto me according to thy word. This is a very brave woman. This is a very noble and incredible woman. God also had uh, to speak with her husband, uh, because they had to live in the community. They were betrothed, and uh, 
the, the betrothal period lasted for one year. And so they were, uh, they were man and wife, but their relationship uh, was not consummated. That part of their marriage had to wait until after uh, the birth of Jesus. So we have the virgin conception and then the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And so God the Spirit comforted Joseph's heart about his wife. Just think of what those two had to suffer within the community, uh, knowing that their marriage had not been uh, consummated. So these were incredible people, and they obeyed God rather than man. They obeyed God. They listened to God. And so uh, Luke... Uh, writes uh, the third gospel and now in chapter 1 verse 2 well I'll read the first two verses quote for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us even as they delivered them unto us which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So Theophilus means God lover. And so when we go to the book of Acts, we see that the book of Acts was written to Theophilus. Verse 4, that thou mightest know the certainty. Now, this word certainty in the Greek means safety. That thou mightest know the safety of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now, this word also is very important in the Greek. Instructed, it means to sound down into the ear. To instruct. A very, very important word. Now, the word for eyewitnesses uh, in verse 2 is the word from which we get our word autopsy, autopsy. So Luke lays out at the beginning of the gospel uh, the nature of, of his undertaking. Uh, nothing is left to chance. Everything that he has done has been according to uh, uh, top scholarly standards so that uh, nothing would be out of line, nothing would be questioned, nothing would be suspect. So he is an incredible scholar. And so we, we owe a lot uh, to, to this to this thing. So uh, Luke also presents us with the uh, genealogy of Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, now, I'm going to show you something else about Mary before we go on to Luke 13. And so uh, the angel also tells uh, Mary in Luke 2.35, yea, quote, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, unquote. So uh, now the word for sword in the Greek is ramphaya. From fire, and it means a giant sword, not the Macaria, 
that was used by, by the Roman infantry. But the Rumphia, this was a huge, heavy sword. Uh, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul. And what was he talking about? Well, the angel was talking about uh, the fact that Mary would see the death of her son. It is Isaiah who records that uh, the, the beard of Jesus was plucked out. Please read Isaiah. And uh, also it was uh, Isaiah who records that his face was marred beyond human recognition. And you think about uh, these details that uh, that Isaiah provides. Uh, Isaiah has sometimes been called the fifth gospel. But we have these details. And so the paintings we see uh, about Jesus and the pictures on the, um, hanging from the cross, that is not what the Bible teaches at all. So, and then we... Uh, we go into chapter 13, uh, and so Luke has a very detailed information uh, in his accounts about the public ministry and uh, public teachings of Jesus. So I'm going to uh, begin at verse 10 of Luke 13, quote, And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, now notice uh, his appeal. Uh, he said, the, the, the ruler of the synagogue said, this, he turned to the people and said, there are six days wherein men ought to work. And then therefore come and be healed not on the Sabbath day. So I just want you to get a picture of the, the hypocritical externalism displayed by uh, this ruler. And, and notice, uh, religion always want, wants to take precedence over the word of God. And notice that in the gospel, there will always be uh, this, uh, this struggle between and the established religious order and what God is doing. Uh, the old, uh, Isaiah writes that God says, I'm doing a new thing. And so God moves out of uh, the empty externalism of established religion, uh, and his focus is on uh, healing the healing of persons and not upholding uh, empty religion that does what? It serves to wound and not to heal. It serves to keep down and not to lift up. And so please get an understanding for the 
um, for the power and for the courage of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah stated that he would be a tender shoot out of parched ground. It was Isaiah's way of saying that there is no way that either Judaism or Romanism or, or Roman political philosophy could have nurtured and brought up such an individual. He was other than both what Judaism could produce, either Rabbi Shemaiah or Rabbi Hillel, could never have produced a student like Jesus. And uh, the Roman Pax Romana could never have produced an individual uh, with this makeup and character. He was totally unique. So uh, Jesus saw her. He focused upon her. And uh, so we go down. Uh, verse 14, there are six days in which men ought to work. End and therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, not thou hypocrite. And so we have, in my uh, KJV, we have the word thou italicized. And that means that this word does not occur in the Greek text. So Jesus said, hypocrite. Or in other words, pretentious fault finder. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering in direct violation of the law. And ought not, verse 16, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him, unquote. So that's, that's the end of verse 17. So I, I want you to get an understanding of uh, malformed minds, twisted souls, contorted individuals with a distorted view of reality. I want you uh, to get an understanding that there really are people uh, who have a, who wear a mask of sanity, and that's it. I want you to get an understanding that there are uh, people who believe that humanity are merely machines and that there is no ghost in the machine or soul. And so Jesus is able to pierce through the veil of empty religionism. He is able to pierce through the empty, uh, the, the mockish veil of a religion that does not see persons but see regulations. And these were individuals, that is, uh, those who promoted Judaism, promoted a system and rules and regulations and mandates, the mandates took precedence over human needs. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you see 
how the state always want, wants to destroy freedom and Jesus wants to bring freedom. Now, now notice, this woman, so here's a, a glaring, powerful picture of the human condition. So in verse seven, uh, 11, we read, and behold, there was a woman, and so this is in the imperfect tense in the Greek, which had, and this is a present active participle, a spirit of infirmity. So it is a pneumasthenia, a pneumasthenian. And so this word is what we call the genitive case. So it means to hold oneself to a thing to lay hold of a thing, to adhere or cling to, to be closely uh, tied to a person or thing. So she had this this weakness of the whole person. Uh, this was comprehensive. And this was uh, used, uh, for, and, and also used of particular cases. This word is used in Roman 8.15, uh, this word infirmity. It's also used in the Gospel of John. This word is also used in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 30 by Paul uh, when speaking about the, the, the laxity or, or, the, or the spiritual condition of certain members of the church in Corinth. And so uh, notice the time, 18 years. And so then in verse 11, uh, Luke, the physician, skillfully tells us uh, about her condition. She was bowed together. This was uh, for 18 years, so therefore this was a chronic condition. And the Greek word here means to bend together. So this was a medical word that Luke uses for, for curvature of the spine. And we read, and could in, uh, could in no wise lift up herself, or uh, in the sense of reversal, or to unbend, or rise. And so this was her estate. And don't you know the rule of the synagogue in verse 15 had known this for years? He had seen this woman's condition and knew uh, of her suffering. And so she was deformed. But we see her physical deformity. It's obvious from the text. But then verse 14 reveals to us the spiritual deformity or weakness of the ruler of the synagogue. And notice we read that he answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. Jesus had said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that was uh, Judaism taught the opposite. Judaism taught uh, that People were bound under the regulations. And why? Because this is the way they control the populace. They, they control the people, and people they bent people to do their will through what? Through their mandates. 
through fear so that, uh, that they will be held in reverence and people would give them their money. They would devour widows' houses. They were out, out, Jesus said outwardly they were whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. So this is why I spoke earlier of, of the mass of sanity. And so people are kept in this estate. Uh, and so this woman is a type of those who are, are, te- are kept in this bowed down, uh, bent together state by rulers or a ruling class or uh, an elite who have come together as a cabal uh, in order to destroy lives in order to keep people weak. So, and so here is where the ruler were, uh, was able to attack Jesus because of Sabbath day. And he did not realize or understood that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one who created the Sabbath because he is God incarnate. And the word uh, Sabbath was used originally in the book of Genesis uh, for the cessation of the creative activity of God in creating the heavens and the earth. And so in the, in the Hebrew it reads Shabbat, which means to catch one's breath. God caught his breath. So it is a word picture. It doesn't mean that God was out of breath, but uh, it became a day of rest, of cessation. To make the stop. And so when Jesus says, come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden, I will rescue. Now, come is a command stated in the imperative. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will rescue. That is to make to cease, to stop. Those who have come to Jesus that is, those who believe in him unto salvation have come to him for Shabbat rest, for rest. He makes the stop, the stuff of this life, the, uh, what the world does to keep people in a chronic condition of anger, bitterness, anxiety, depression, fear chronic needs? Will I be able to have a job? Will I be able to support my family? Can we keep a roof over our heads? Will I be able to put gas in the car? Will I be able to buy my child a new coat this winter? Will I be able to buy new shoes for my children? See, when we come to Jesus, we get we get uh, safe rest. Faith rest. The stuff uh, that the world wants to keep on us to keep us uh, bowed together in a, in a in a spiritual curvature, so that we don't unbend. You will bend. You will bow the knee to this mandate. You will bow the knee to this, and 
if you don't bow the knee, then you won't have food. You can't come to work. We're going to make it so that we won't take your car now, but uh, we'll make gas uh, price so high that we'll make it difficult for you to get to your job. Now, please don't be in doubt as to who controls this world. And the one who controls this world is the devil. The Bible says and teaches that he is the God of this age. And Jesus has come in order to overthrow the God of this age. And he has soundly and roundly defeated the devil. So that is the, and so what and notice what we see here in verse twelve. When Jesus saw her, he, he fixed his eyes upon her, called her. He called her to himself. So this is a and this is another important word, uh, for the call of salvation. The call and we there is a general we call in theology, a general call, whosoever will may come. See, and I want to say that uh, because there are uh, people who teach that uh, only the, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get in that, that theology, but there's a call to all. Come unto, uh, Jesus said, what? Uh, come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes into him, in the sense in the Greek, into him, shall not die but have eternal life. Not everlasting life, but eternal life. Because the Greek reads eternal life because uh, the life that we receive is God, uh, Zoe, his own eternal life. So <clears throat> there is what we call in theology a general call, and then there is what we call an efficacious call. So those who effectively hear, and uh, akuo, uh, the word in the Greek for hear, it means a, to hear with a view to obeying what is heard. See, and that word separates a lot of false believers from those who are real because anyone can opine, well, I'm a Christian, whatever that means. But then Jesus said uh, that those who love me will obey me. And when a person becomes a real believer in Jesus Christ, they, their lives will bear fruit because the Holy Spirit will bear fruit through them. And when the life bears fruit, then Jesus will prune that life so that it may bear more fruit. Please read Galatians chapter 5. So Jesus said to her, and notice this is God from Genesis uh, chapter 1. This is God who said, like be, like was. And so this is God from John 1.1. This is God speaking. Woman, Bunai. Woman, thou art loosed from thine weakness. I love this. 
And so this word is in the perfect tense. Thou art loosed. Apoluo. It means to release to, uh, from, a, from a condition. And so this, this is wonderful. And not only does he speak to her, and verse 13 reads, he laid his hands on her. And so it means to impose uh, his, uh, uh, upon her in a friendly sense. Just think about the love of Jesus. He laid his hands on her. And immediately uh, we read in verse 13, she was made straight, that is, upright. As she glorified God, she was made straight. Uh, and so this is what we call the aorist passive indicative, or uh, effective. His word is effective. God's word is effective. God's word heals. God's word, God's word unbends. Look, you're a believer in Christ. You want uh, and uh, you listen to him effectively and Notice, she chose to hear him. She had, I don't know how long she's been coming to this synagogue, but we know that her condition was, uh, according to verse 11, for 18 years. She knew that his word was a different word. She knew that his word was not a political word. She knew and realized that his word was the healing words that she needed for her life to unbend her. And... This is why the word of God frightens uh, demon-energized politicians. Because the word of God sets people free, apluo. He sets people free permanently. And the spirit of the world, uh, there's a spirit of fear that wants to keep people bound. They want your chronic condition they want you to remain in an abusive, chronic posturing before their authority. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And she glorified God. What a novelty this must have been to go to church, synagogue, that is, and to have someone glorify God in the midst of service. What a novelty. So this upset the rule of the synagogue, and he was just encroached upon his authority. Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and, and, and said, hypocrite, I can't imagine the, uh, the, I can't imagine the sound of the voice of Jesus in this situation. I, I can't imagine what, what this must have meant uh, to those who heard him. I can't imagine what it meant to hear uh his extraordinary voice with that one word, hypocrite, and what and how it had what it must have done to reach the hearts of people who had been conditioned uh, to a certain entrainment 
And so this uh, rule of the synagogue depended on a type of, of spiritual entrainment. That is, that the people would meet together and come together. They would hear the same sounds, respond to the same cues, uh, and they would go on about their lives. And this was their spiritual life. It was dry, empty. But here's this new word, this new situation. Here is Jesus uh, in the midst of this situation showing people that there is another way, that they can be free. Here's a clinical case study of the human condition, this healing of this crippled woman. And so Jesus, uh, he points out their uh, hypocrisy uh, with, uh, this is an evidence-based, this is evidence-based by Jesus. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose, he uses the same word, loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And then Jesus ties uh, what they do with their hypocritical posturing. He ties it to this woman, and Jesus says, Ought not this woman... Being a daughter of Abraham, then he points out her legacy, who she is. A daughter of Abraham, the father of the faithful, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years. And so Jesus points out the fact that Satan, the devil, can cause physical Sickness. So here is Luke the physician writing about the great physician Jesus who points out here uh, we see this woman's condition. And so what Jesus points out and what Luke points out uh, in verse 11 is her symptoms. But the cause of, of her symptoms, or the one who caused her condition, is given in verse 16. It is Satan. So Jesus does not stop at mere sentimentology. He goes to the cause. Whom Satan hath bound these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. See, Jesus did not come to create a new religion called Christianity. He came to set people free. He came to set humanity free. And when he, that is Jesus, had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Look, he took them down in their own houses, on, uh, in their own areas of power. He took them down. Jesus points out that uh, the one who is really behind, who is really behind this woman's condition. Here in the postmodern world, 
they merely stop at as symptom management. Jesus never stops at symptom uh, symptom management. Jesus wants a heart healed, the person healed. He wants people to come unto him for salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You will no longer be bowed over by sin, and it's awful, awful, uh, and terrible symptoms. God wants to set you free, beloved. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.